0: to Artworks for Teachers. I'm your host, Susan Riley. I'm an educator, entrepreneur, and arts integration evangelist. Each week, we'll explore how teachers can crack the code of creativity and use it as a hidden advantage in and out of the classroom. You'll hear from authors, artists, and educators sharing their stories and their strategies for unlocking the power of curiosity and creativity. Let's get going. Hey friend, welcome back to another episode of Artworks for Teachers. I'm your host, Susan Riley. Today we're going to be having an interview with um, a teacher author who I really admire. His name is Colby Sharp. Now Colby um, is a fifth grade teacher and still practicing in the classroom right now. Um, And he is also the editor of The Creativity Project. Now, this is a book that I've recommended on our summer reading list in the past um, that I think every educator should have. Um, It's a book that pairs prompts with um, illustrators. And you give the prompt to an artist or an illustrator, and you just kind of see where the artist or illustrator runs with it. And it is fascinating because you would think that maybe the illustrator would do a comic or an illustration, but sometimes they pick a different avenue like writing a story or creating a play. And Colby is gonna share about this project during our our interview today. He's also going to share his love of reading, um, how how he started um, the nerd camp and and what that looks like, as well as um, what it means for him to have self-care and practice that as an educator right now. And sometimes that means saying no, saying no to meetings, saying no to projects. Um, And I found that really fascinating because I know a lot of us have difficulty saying no. Uh, to things that are, are coming up for us. So uh, I think you're going to find this interview fascinating. I also think you're going to find it really helpful in setting some of those boundaries for yourself this year. So let's dig in. All right. Hello, Colby Sharp. How are you today?
1: I am amazing. Thanks for having me.
0: No problem. Thank you so much for joining us today. So um, for anybody who's not familiar with your work, and we're going to dive into your work in a minute, um, would you just introduce yourself give us a little bit of background information about who you are, what you do, and any special projects that you're working on?
1: I am a fifth grade teacher in Parma, Michigan. I teach in the building that I attended as a kid, which is really fun. My parents still live next door to the school, so my children, as they've come through Parma Elementary, get to walk home to to grandma and grandpa's house and get loaded up on a bunch of snacks before I take them home, which is (laughs) lovely. Uh, I am the co-author of the new book, The Common Sense Guide to Your Classroom Library. Uh, Donalyn Miller and I also wrote... A book, the book together game changer book access for all. I'm the editor of the Creativity Project and I host a podcast with my friend Travis Yonker about children's literature called The Yarn.
0: Wow. So you're not busy at all? Like you've mm. got a ton of free time, right?
1: <laughs> I just do things that I like to do. So yeah. as long as I'm doing fun things, it doesn't feel too busy.
0: Right. So I think that's such a such a key piece. When we talk about being overwhelmed, I often think I'm not really overwhelmed. I just I have a lot of things that I get to do that are fun. Right.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Nice. Um, and how, what, how cool for your kids to go to the same building that you went to. I know, um, in one of the the buildings that I taught at, uh, Thunderhill elementary school was the the same school that Randy Pausch went to. I don't know if you're familiar with Randy Pausch, but he talks about like, he did a whole Ted talk on the gift. He had pancreatic cancer, was on Oprah, talked about the whole thing. His kids also went, to Thunder Hill and could walk right down to his old parents' house. And just, it's just a very fun thing to be able to do as a family.
1: Yeah, um, we love it.
0: So I'm curious you, on all of the projects that you're working on, what what makes you so passionate about? Because is there a common denominator between all of them?
1: Yeah, I would say books and reading, getting kids excited about reading in ways that teachers can help them to fall in love with books.
0: Mm. And so, why why that passion? Why do you or why are you so strongly believe in literacy?
1: Well, I think that if you love something, then you will want to do it more, and you'll get better at it. And I think loving literacy and loving books is a pathway to help kids live full, rich, amazing lives, and it opens doors for them to do just about anything that they want.
0: Mm, I would agree with that. I love. I'm I'm a full believer, and our whole organization is a believer that literacy is embedded into everything that we do. I mean, you can be artistically literate, you can be math literate. It's not just about quote unquote books, but I think that books open the world for for kids, no matter where you are, which I think is so important. Um, So I wanna start with the Creativity Project. Um, because we are a creative pod, uh, podcast, but I, I'm very curious about some of these other projects as well. So okay. start, let's start with the Creativity Project. What exactly is it? And um, how did it get started?
1: So the Creativity Project is a book that I published with Little Brown Books for Young Readers. And I basically got to invite a bunch of friends and uh, like authors and illustrators. I think there were 44 of them mm-hmm. uh, into the book. And each creator sent two prompts, so it could be a picture it could be a sentence like a story starter it could be just like some rules of something to create and we sent uh that those two prompts to another creator and that creator got those prompts in the mail and we told them that they had to pick one and they got 1 to 5 pages in the book to make whatever they wanted wow yep
0: I mean, having read the book and having recommended the book to our audience for a long time now, um, Thank you. I really I think the prompts themselves, I think, are valuable. But also seeing how people interpret those is something that's fascinating to me because it's not sometimes with some of the prompts. I don't know that I would have interpreted it the same way. So it was really interesting to see somebody else's thought process there. Um, what gave you that idea?
1: Well, I think it's really interesting to see how kids create and how authors create. And so often like we control so much of what kids make and it's like, oh, you have choice, but here are all of these rules within that to limit your choice. Uh, so when I was talking with Susan Rich about, about the idea and, and it kind of morphed into this idea where we wanted kids to see all of the different ways that you can make something. So a lot of times when we do these prompts in my classroom, the kids will think that they're supposed to write a story, right? In paragraphs and, and tell a story beginning, middle, end. <laughs> and so I'll give them a prompt, but, it, and then it's really fun for them to see how, the creator, their favorite creators, took those prompts and, and responded, whether it's, you know, Dave Pilkey, he did write a story in paragraphs, and you, they might have expected him to create a comic. Uh, and it's just really, I think, fun for kids to to get a chance to see what's possible. And it's so fun to, to share them in class and to see what each other, their classmates make, and for them to... They just get more and more comfortable. Today we're filming this, recording this on a Wednesday and we do Quick Write Wednesdays. So this afternoon, after we're done recording, we'll get a chance to respond to one of the prompts in class and they look forward to it every week and they will get so upset with me if we don't. I was talking yesterday. We're finishing up a, a writing, a narrative writing unit and they're like, all right, tomorrow we'll, we're going to do this, uh, with our stories and we're going to re- do this. We've, I'm going to teach you this revision technique. And they're like, no, you're not. I'm like, what do you mean? No, I'm not. <laughs> And they're like, it's Wednesday. We have to do a quick write. I'm like, ah, you were right. So it's, it's a lot of fun.
0: So that's, I love this. And I, I think this is such an interesting, um, concept in, in education right now. The, I, a couple of things, one, the idea that, that we've trained our kids to think that creativity is writing a, a structured or, mm-hmm. or performing in any way, whether it's writing or even a performance. Um, in a structured kind of box. Um, And that, um, which is for me as a former music teacher, that's so sad because I want kids to be able to use their imagination. This is the thing that I think we've lost so much. And I don't know if you've seen this, but when I go in schools in the last five years, I feel like imagination is the thing that kids struggle with, which as a kid, you shouldn't have to struggle with imagination, right? So I think giving them opportunities they can stretch their imagination is awesome. Um, and also do you find like they, they crave it, right? Like they're, they will not let you forget that Wednesday, right? Mm -hmm. Like they crave the opportunity to do it,
1: right? Yeah. There's, they are, we're creative beings and, and any lack of creativity I think is in large part because we've taken it away from them, right? We've forced Mm -hmm. them to be in these boxes and, and with COVID and with school, the last few years, I totally get like yeah. We're just trying to survive and I don't blame anyone for anything that we've done. Right, um, Getting to this point and still being in education, I think is a win right yeah. now. So yeah, I think that they want it and they love it and they're pretty uncomfortable with it at first mm-hmm. um, choice and freedom and, and play, yeah. especially when it comes to something like writing and just watching them get it back is, is really, it's really amazing. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we'll have some, well, we always have some time to share And if it's like a lesson that I teach about something and then I want like, Oh, like, will you share your ending to your story? And, you know, like, you'll have to like, maybe a kid will raise their hand and then another kid will feel sorry for me. And then they'll raise their hand. (laughs) But with this, it's like so many hands are in the air and so many kids who maybe don't volunteer to share in, in other areas or at other times. So it's really fun to see. And then they'll even they keep working on them. Like we'll spend like, I don't know, seven to 10 minutes in a, mm. in the quick, right. And I always let them know, like, you this is just a start. If it's something you like, keep going t- see where it takes you. And a lot of them do. A lot of them will come back like a week later, or two weeks later. and be Like, you remember that prompt we did with that picture you showed us? I'm like, yeah, like I, I, I've been working on it. Can I share? So that makes me so happy to see, to see them taking that and giving yeah. it, giving it more after. Not just yeah, because so often, like even whether it's reading or writing, like kids see reading and writing as a school thing. Often, right? The school owns reading, the school owns (laughs) writing, and that's why so many of them don't do it in the summer or don't do it outside of school, because we have created these kids who feel that that's something that they do for school. It's not something Mm -hmm. that they see brings value to their life. So, if we want them to be independent, like we talk about independent readers, but if we want them to be independent creators. We have to give them some, some time to create what they want.
0: Yeah. So, and you answered one of my questions, which was how long, um, you give them. So it's seven to 10 minutes. And just to be clear, they can do anything, right? Like they could make it into an artistic piece or they could maybe create some music or whatever. Right.
1: Yeah. Or they could, this makes me think of this thing that I did last week. I'm going to write about that instead. So, yeah, it's wherever it takes them, they'll create a comic, they'll create a, a play, they can create a poem, whatever it is that that they want to create. Nice.
0: So um, I'm sure this is not the only way that you embed creativity into your classroom, right? Um, mm-hmm. One of the, the things that I hear most often, and I'm sure you do as well, is how to find time to embed that into the curriculum that we've already got, especially since we've got to catch kids up from where they were, um, since they weren't in school for so long. So what are some other ways that you find, um, you can embed creativity in what you're teaching throughout the day?
1: I think just anytime that kids can make things right. And it's not on like a worksheet. It gives them, giving them an opportunity to be creative, whether, you know, all of our kids, a good thing that came out of the pandemic, is we all have iPads now. Yeah. <laughs> and for me, like the goal is can we make it so that they're creating things on the iPads and not just like doing like screen worksheets? Right. So any like we'll use a do a lot of like having like something like Flipgrid where they can record short videos and mm-hmm. and like it's so interesting because like they all want to be YouTubers. Not all of them, but many of them want to. But they're so bad at creating video content. Like they just have no idea how to make anything. They're just Mm. so much of their life is consuming. So just getting them to create, create, create in all all subjects as much as possible, whether it's a picture, they're just drawing or it's a flip grid or it's some sort of organizing tool that they use and they draw, I don't know, anything to get them so that they're making things and asking questions and trying to figure things out i think is a good way to be creative
0: That's that is awesome okay so i want to move into um something else that i that i read about you on your about page which was that you are um kind of a leader of the the Michigan nerd camp so can will... you t- can you talk to me about what is nerd camp i'm very intrigued
1: yeah so I'm the co-founder of the Nerdy Book Club, Donalyn Miller and I run the Nerdy Book Club uh, and Catherine Sokolowski and Cindy Minnick have been helping us run it since the very, very first days. And we ran that for years. And then these ad camps started popping up, which is like an unconference where there's not a schedule. You just go and pick what you want to learn and have conversations. And some friends, my wife and some friends here that I work with around here. We're like, well, that would be cool to do with like a literacy twist. Mm. So we thought we, and we would just call it Nerd Camp because of the Nerdy Book Club. And then if you capitalize the E and the D in nerd, it's like says Ed Camp. (laughs) So we went with that and we, the first year, um, we had like 180 people and we're like, oh my gosh, who are all these people coming? Um, And then within like, we quit doing it two years, like right before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And our last year, we had people from, I think, 25 states. We had thousands of people register their very first hours sold out. I mean, it's free, but all the spots were filled. Mm-hmm. We added a kid component. We had a thousand kids, 50 authors. Wow. Free for Everything was free the entire time. No one ever paid for anything. That's so amazing. people came from all over the country uh, to Palmer, Michigan. Nice. It was really awesome. That and we And we decided to stop it, which it was really f- nice to be able to stop it on our own terms. Mm. Like it wasn't like anything went wrong or people stopped coming. Mm-hmm. It was just time for us to take back a little bit of our summers and mm. focus on, on our families and a little more self-care. So it was really fun. I think we did seven or eight years. Wow. Uh, we got to meet some amazing people, some amazing teachers and hopefully help, help them, um, help kids fall in love with reading.
0: Nice. So what is, um, what are you working on right now? You've got the, the yarn when I, I'm going to miss mess that up because I was so focused on creativity project, but what's going on now?
1: I'm working on teaching kids how to divide with two digit divisors. That's focus number one, because (laughs) man, when you go from dividing by nine to dividing by like 38, it gets real. So, That's priority one, right? (laughs) The kids are always the most important thing that we're working on. So we're having, we're working on that. Um, I am not writing any books this year. Mm -hmm. So when Donald and I finished um, the classroom library book, we're we're like, I don't know if we'll ever write another book together, but we are not talking about anything like that for at least the next school year. So uh, I'm not one to like, Ha- like I like to make lots of different things. So I'll make like TikTok videos and YouTube videos and podcasts and write blog posts. Um, but I don't like to have like multiple writing projects at once. Mm-hmm. I like to finish yeah. one and then take time and then decide if I'm going to do another one. I don't feel like I'm like someone who I wouldn't, I guess, call myself like a writer. Like I don't like just write every day. Mm -hmm. but I write when I have something that I want to write about. So Mm -hmm. a lot of times if I have just like ideas, I'll make a video about it Mm -hmm. or maybe write a blog post, but I don't like set out to write every day. So there's Mm -hmm. not like a book project right now. Mm -hmm. So I'm just, just trying to share what's going on with my classroom and help those kids as much as possible.
0: So, and, and, uh, I think I've got an arts integration lesson somewhere back in my, like archives for fifth grade teaching those, <laughs> <dividing> like, <laughs> like with remainders, even like when oh, you do remainders and it's a dance lesson, right? Somewhere along the way, I remember right. having to write one of those and I was like, man, this is hard. So,
1: there's, I, al- there's always a bus question like, we have this many students and this many kids fit on a bus. Right. How many buses do you need? I'm like, what do you do with the nine kids? What do you do with them? And some of them are like, just leave them at home. I'm like, well, you can't.
0: They had to walk, right? Yeah. I'm like, well, how do you
1: decide? And they're like, well, maybe we would take out how they act in class. I'm like, this is becoming more than a math problem. So. <laughs> that is true. We build it's social fun. emotional learning. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Everything we do, right? So um, one of the things you just shared is, uh, which I think is really important, is the idea of being able to let something go on your own terms mm-hmm. for your own self-care um yeah. which i think a lot of us struggle with i know that i struggle with that we um our organization actually just made the decision to let go of our summer online conference which has been around for like 10 years mm. and nothing went wrong you're right like nothing went wrong but we were looking at it going i think this is i think this is done and it's it's kind of bittersweet i don't know if you felt like that um but prioritizing our summers as well and trying to be able to be of service as best we can by filling our own cup I know that you're a dad of five Mm -hmm. and you do all of this other stuff as well as your primary job of being a teacher. So how do you prioritize your own self-care? What are some ways that you do that for yourself? Because I know you're not taking bubble baths, right?
1: <laughs> I run, yeah, I run every single day the very first thing that mm. I do. I've ran every day since August 4th, 2019. Wow. So like almost 1,200 straight days Ooh. between five and eight miles every single day. So that's number one. I always take care of my, my health physically first. Like that is. I, that's like the thing I feel like I do the most for me. -hmm. Like I do a lot of things for my kids and my wife and for my students and try to help other educators with the content that I make. But I want to start every day selfishly taking care of myself. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's number one. I don't do things that I don't like to do as much as possible or that I don't feel that I'm like matter to me or that I'm good at. For example, we're going to build a new school here in our community and there's like lots of meetings and lots of visiting schools and you know, I have no interest in any of that. Like, I don't want to be there. I don't care about the design. Just like, give me the. I just need like a square. Like, give me the biggest square I can have as my classroom, and let me bring in bookshelves, and I'm good. Um, but they are people who are really good at that and are doing great things, and we're going to end up hopefully with a really nice school because of that. But I don't need to be involved in all of that stuff because mm-hmm. it just—it's just not a place that I want to spend my time with right now. So I'm very choosy about what I say yes to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I try to never go to meetings.
0: (laughs) I embrace that. So how do, I'm curious, how does that happen? How does that play out in your school when you have to, you know, I go
1: to staff meetings and I don't sign up for anything like, Mm, or I can just, unless it's like something I can do with just like a, like a little conversation in the hallway or something. But yeah, I don't, I I can like all these people who like go into administration and like Mm -hmm. different things. I'm like, I mean, I love the idea of like leading teachers and leading a building, but like. They just go to meetings all the time, like, <laughs> which maybe that's that's cool for them. But like, I I could never do a job where yeah. I have to go to a bunch of meetings. It's just awful.
0: Yeah, and I don't. What's funny is that I have an admin certificate, and and you're absolutely right. Like, I don't think anybody knows that when you go to an into administration, you think you're going to be able to help lead teachers. And you I remember go lots of meetings. I remember, yeah, the amount of meetings that I would just block off a day. I think it was Fridays with my secretary, and I was like, I don't care if it's the superintendent of schools coming into my office, I am in, I'm in classrooms like, because it's just, it just got to be too much. So I admire the fact that you will are willing to say no. I think so many people are um, afraid, either afraid to say no, or they feel guilty for saying no. Um, But I think it's the only way that you save yourself, particularly right now.
1: Yeah. And we have so many, I mean, how many, every building, every profession is like this, where Mm -hmm. like a handful of people do a majority of the, the things to volunteer for. Yeah. So, you know, we have a really awesome staff here that everything everyone does there carries their weight and does their thing. So I think that me, not, I don't feel like I have to say yes to everything nice. and I'm not like really good at everything. Right. right. Like I'm not, that's not my strength. It's just like, like talking to you, like I'm not going to come on here and talk about like guided reading. Like I'm not the guided reading. Right. You don't call me to talk about guided reading. Right. So I think that kind of knowing our lane. And I have lots to learn from other people. So Mm -hmm. I'm not going to try to, I don't want to be the expert on I'm not going to be like, I am now the expert on project-based learning. (laughs) And now I'm the expert on Makerspace. And now I'm the expert on, you know, I'm just, I'm just always going to be someone who tries to learn about all of those things. But Mm -hmm. the things that I'm probably going to be sharing are just going to be the same thing. Read aloud, helping kids fall in love with books, independent reading, that sort of thing. Nice. No meetings. Maybe I can be the no meeting guy.
0: No meetings. Um, Well, before we go, I always end the the show with the same question, which is, um, if there's one thing about creativity that you'd like educators to know, what would it be?
1: I think that kids are creative at the core and they're born to be creative and they desire to make things. And it doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be flashy. We just need to give kids an opportunity to create things that they want to create and have fun with it and celebrate the awesome things that they make.
0: Well, that's perfect. So thank you so much, Colby. I really appreciate your time today.
1: Thank you. It was fun. All right. Let me know when I can share this and all that.
0: We'll do. Oh, before we go, please let people know where they can follow you.
1: Oh, at Colby Sharp.
0: At Colby Sharp. Keeping it easy like that. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Colby. Have an awesome day. Thanks for listening to the Artworks for Teachers podcast. This has been a production from the Institute for Arts Integration and STEAM. Be sure to tune in each Thursday for new episodes and head over to artsintegration.com forward slash artworks to download the accompanying resources. And if you know another educator who could use creative inspiration, please share this with them. Together, we can make a difference in education
1: today.